Draft day is finally here. Are the Hornets still undecided at number two overall? We'll go over the pros and the cons of both of the prospects that the Hornets are going to be choosing from today on Locked On Hornets. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available anywhere you get your pods. And that does include YouTube. Just check us out on the Locked On Hornets channel. Very easy to find. This episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash NBA and they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every single order. We appreciate Bird Dogs sponsoring the podcast network. Just real quickly, I'm going to give you my thoughts before Doug gives you the live show later tonight. Come back to YouTube, see the live show. It's going to be starting at 7 o'clock, so you get a little bit of time with Doug, Nick Carboni, David Walker, Nada Edwards, me. You're going to get a lot of people over at the live show. 7 o'clock, going till about 9, I think. So that's going to be happening a little later. I did want to give you my final thoughts because I'll only be able to call in later tonight. As I'm hosting a show for WFNZ, we're going to be out at 1058. That's Thomas Davis, great linebacker. He's the, uh, well, he's going to be doing 1058 um, for the second time now. He had the NFL draft party. Now he's having an NBA draft draft parties or NBA draft party. So should be a lot of fun if you want to go check out his bar and restaurant uptown. And so since I'm doing that, just going to roll through a very quick podcast. This is not going to be the same format. Just going to roll through a few things just with some of my final thoughts ahead of tonight's festivities. Who are the Hornets going to take at number two? The odds are still leaning heavily towards Brandon Miller. Last I checked on FanDuel, which is still the sponsor of the podcast network as well, Brandon Miller was at minus 650. Scoot Henderson, I think, was at minus, or was at plus 370. So considerable gap. You had the odds flip. Once we got the reports from Woj, then we had the odds flip of Brandon Miller being the favorite, and it just kept coming. He got to a minus 650 odds favorite, and Scoot Henderson plus 370, plus 250, something like that. We know that Scoot is not the favorite anymore. So it feels to many people that this is starting to look like a done deal. No one's going 100% that Brandon's going to be the pick, but most reports are leaning that way. I don't know if it is my naivete. I don't know if it's just me having wanted Scoot for a long time as to why I'm a little skeptical on such the favoritism for Brandon at this point via the odds. I'll, I'll, I'll be clowned after this. That's fine. You're like, Walker, give it up. Okay, let it go. Scoot dream. It's not happening for you. And Brandon Miller can come in and we'll go through over the pros and cons because I, I don't want to play hater radio anymore. I, I don't like doing it. It's just always been about a love of Scoot. So, all that to be said, I still am not quite sold on the Hornets 100% taking Brandon Miller. It was a little odd a couple of days ago when Jake Fisher initially had that report that, okay, yep, this is real. Hornets are leaning more towards Brandon Miller. Because we don't know where these sources are coming from, and at least we know where they're not coming from, and that's the Charlotte Hornets themselves. And Sam Vecini, who is the guy I go to for my draft analysis more than anyone. I think a lot of people do. Jonathan Gavoni is up there. Sam Bassini is just, he's my preference. I think he does a great job. And here's what he wrote in his latest mock draft 
to reflect the odds and the reports about Brandon Miller being their focus at number two. Quote, I'm still not totally sold that this pick is absolutely Miller. When asked about this pick, many of the sources working for nonpartisan agencies and teams that I talk to league-wide generally lead with an idea along the lines of, quote, there's no way the Hornets can pass on Scoot, right? And yet everyone also acknowledges the Miller intel exists. And there does seem to be a feeling that Miller is favored. As of right now, I'm going with Miller, despite my antennas being up, that no one seems to be able to truly figure out where the Miller leaks are coming from. And the Hornets front office is believed to largely keep things in-house. We've made that same point, how the Hornets don't really leak anything. You heard Zach Lowe in his latest pod with Jonathan Gavoni. Zach Lowe talked about how this front office has largely been traditional. They don't let a lot of stuff out of house. It's really hard to get into that vault. Now, I've mentioned this maybe a couple times, too. A lot of people have run with the fact that the Hornets aren't going to reveal anything, right? Yeah, it's not some concrete vault that is impossible to get into where you need Ant-Man to try to figure out some of the information, right? Like, I, I, it's, it's not that. But if multiple credited, valuable NBA journalists out there are saying they're challenging to get intel from, then where are all of the Brandon Miller rumors coming from, right? Nonpartisan dudes are still saying, wait, are, are they really going to pass up on Scoot? Even with Woj, even with Jonathan Gavoni, even with national NBA pundits saying that a lot of NBA front office execs have Brandon Miller over Scoot, number two overall, then why are we still not 100% sure from Sam Bassini's standpoint that he is going to be the guy? And I go back to that point I just made too with, with Brandon Miller being the number two guy on a lot of people's big board. If that's the case, maybe the Hornets are just trying to throw this out there or maybe these leaks are getting out there because they want to see what trade offers people will have. If it's true that other teams value Brandon Miller more, then maybe they're willing to trade up and go get him. And if they're willing to trade up and go get him, then is the package going to be good enough for the Hornets to have to listen to that offer? That's why I'm a little skeptical, right? The other thing is, just real quickly, Mitch Kupchak did say yesterday something we didn't talk about when Doug was on the pod with me. He did say, at you know, quote, we're trying to get the player that when you put the ball in his hands, you're going to get the best player. All right. <laughs> With so much of the off-ball fit and conversation we're having about Brandon, maybe he means Brandon. He absolutely could meet Brandon Miller and mean Brandon Miller in that comment. He also could mean Scoot. I just if if Mitch Kupchak is telling you in media availability too that he hasn't contacted Brandon Miller's agent, their camp, same thing with Scoot Henderson, and he hasn't told them that they're going to be the selection, then where is the com- where's the call coming from? It's not coming from inside the house. If you had to have me bet, it'd be I, I guess you would just be con- not crazy, but it'd still be Brandon that you're leaning. Just I don't know if I would put the odds at like minus six fifty. I don't know if if you feel that comfortable about it. So we'll see if Scoot is still that guy. Let's go through the pros. Let's go through the cons. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, I'm just gonna kind of roll through here. We'll get to some of my thoughts on Brandon Miller. And look, I, I know you guys know what I think about Scoot, what I think about Brandon. I don't want to play hater radio anymore. So I'm just going to tell you what I think Brandon could do well. And I'm going to tell you some of the reason as to why I like Scoot better at that number two slot. So we'll get to that 
in just a moment. First, I wanted to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good. They stretch khaki shorts, and they're designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and the leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dogs shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. And they fit way better than regular shorts because they're made of a stiff, restricting cotton. They're a fixed this, uh, Bird Dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement whatsoever. And they use anti-stink, sweat, wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right, let's talk more about Brandon Miller and some of the pros, some of the cons. So here's what Brandon Miller could come in and do really well for the Hornets, right? The shooting is the number one skill that he's going to bring to the table. It's phenomenal, okay? Off the dribble, catch and shoot, guarded, unguarded. I mean, unguarded. I saw the article. I need to pull it up to give him credit. But there was the the one piece about Brandon shooting 51% on catch and shoot threes when unguarded. So it's he's not choking at all if you're not in front of his face, right? That guy shooting is out of this world. It did tail off at the end. He did have the groin injury to consider. I don't want to hold some of these workouts against him because he did have mono. And mono is notoriously one of these illnesses that it's really hard to get back to 100% within a couple of weeks worth of time. This thing can draw out at a pretty long time. I guess for different people, it means different things. But I don't want that to be a huge indictment. One thing I do want to discuss, though, is, okay, if, if Gavoni is saying Brandon Miller, and this is on the Low Post podcast, right? Very popular. Everybody can go check it out. You know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> if... Zach Lowe and Jonathan Gavoni are discussing how Brandon Miller showed up to the first workout a little lackluster, maybe a little bit less interested, and it took a second workout in front of Michael Jordan to where he really turned it on, and there was almost like this motivation factor where they're like, hey, if you want to be the number two pick, then you're going to have to really put in a ton of work today. Brandon Miller discussed one of the tips of Michael Jordan after he met with him, and, and MJ said, just to he advised him on his work ethic to keep that going I think we can have a little nuance there no I don't think that that is something that should absolutely deter you from selecting Brandon number two overall but I I also don't want to just 100% okay so mono was the reason that his first workout didn't go well and oh now it's just a week later and the second workout was fine and mono wasn't an issue anymore just the timing is very convenient to make that argument, but clearly it has to play some kind of factor. And so I'm not trying to dismiss that and have that be this huge indictment that the first workout didn't go well. So comes in, shot making was also better in the second workout. And the shot making, I'm not really worried about his shooting, certainly from a stationary standpoint, certainly from a spot up, off of screens. We know that Brandon has hit a high volume. The high volume is crazy too. It's not, oh, well, he shot pretty well, but... Oh, it was fine volume. It was average. Nah, man, he was chucking and he was hitting. Okay. So we know that's clearly the big thing that he can bring to the table. He's big being six, nine, even when you're not that strong right now, there's at least going to be arms in your face when you're an offensive player trying to get around him. So if he can stay in front of you and he's athletic enough defensively, I think smart enough defensively to stay in front of you. And even if he's not 
a huge impact defender. Th- there's been all sorts of varying opinions on Brandon Miller's defense where he is right now. I I, I say he's fine. I, I think he's an average defender that could maybe be a plus, but right now I don't think he's I don't think he is a you know crazy plus defender. But he's not going to get hunted. Nobody's going to say, hey, Brandon, there's the mismatch, unless you get somebody really strong that's close to the same size, and maybe they back him down because he is pretty weak at this point. But as far as team defense goes, despite the gambles, yeah, I think his defense is totally fine on that end. And the length on this roster, that's really going to help. That's going to help. So I think that's that's another reason um, that you could point to to say, okay, this is why Brandon could be the pick. I do think there's enough. I, I've said his ball handling, his handle is a little weak in my opinion. It's not so weak that he can't do secondary stuff. So if he's drafted, the idea, of course, is that LaMelo is going to be the lead guy. And then Brandon could be some secondary playmaker, especially if Terry Rozier is traded. So now Terry's out of the equation. Miles is someone that you like getting downhill. You know, he's someone that you're looking to score as well. Just get to the basket and spot up threes. Brandon can create more so than Miles can, even if Miles did demonstrate better passing ability as his career went on. So that is a part of his game. I do think there is a connectivity where we always give Gordon Hayward that tagline. If you trade Gordon, I do think you have that connector type role with Brandon coming in and that'll help you out quite a bit. I really like his passing. That's something I've, that's something I've lauded the entire time. I I have never uh, gone against his ability to make plays for others, at least from a passing standpoint. No, I don't think he can break you down off of the dribble consistently and get by you and then kick it out to the perimeter. But he can see over the defense. It's LaMelo Ball-esque in that sense. No, he's not in the same neighborhood passing-wise as LaMelo, but in the same sense that he can see over the defense and make any pass that he wants to. I like Brandon's vision quite a bit. So that would really help. And you know that passing is one of the things I value most. I just think that's really hard to stay in front of as a defense. So those are the pros with Brandon. Ultimately, the cons that I've demonstrated a couple of times, the reason I I don't see the high-end comps for him, like Jason Tatum, I don't see Paul George. My high-end comp for him, where I think it's like pretty close to the 90th percentile, 100th percentile outcome, I think it's pretty close, right? Clearly, there are universes where maybe he could get to Jason Tatum for sure. But Brandon Ingram is the consistent highest end outcome that I see for him because I do think their frame is very similar. They both did struggle finishing at the rim coming out of college. Brandon Ingram was at like 49%, but also in half-court possessions, I should say. Brandon Miller was at under 40% in half-court possessions. That really is worrisome to me. It is. And if you are 6'9", and you are a wing, I want that guy to be able to get to the basket. I, that That's a front court player. You could put him at 6'9 at the shooting guard. That's that's a, a place you can put him for sure. And with the shooting, he would be able to help you out quite a bit. But if you're drafting him number two, and you're drafting him for the upside, that upside involves him getting to the basket. I don't think he's scared. I don't watch him and think, oh yeah, he's totally afraid to drive into the paint. No, I don't get that. I just think he's weak right now. He's not strong. Guys can knock him off his spot. And if guys could do that in the SEC and guys could do that in college, then really smart, really strong, grown men, NBA defenders, they're not going to have a hard time moving him off his spot at all. And at that point, do you wonder if the turnovers are going to run up because it's hard to handle the basketball in traffic like that? So, okay, if, if Brandon puts on weight, 
then great. You know, hopefully the, the finishing comes with it. The NBA can put weight on dudes. So no, I'm not even saying that's the reason you don't draft Brandon. But right now, if the strength isn't great, then you have to look to athleticism to be able to get by his guys and finish at the rim. But I don't think that's good enough right now. I don't think he has the athleticism and the handle athleticism combo to get by some of these guys that are going to be staying in front of him. So no strength, that's going to hurt you. The athleticism, not where you would want it to be for these high-end comps. Paul George, look, man, Brandon Miller's not going to be in a dunk contest. It doesn't mean that he can't jam on you, but he's not going to be in a dunk contest, okay? That's not Paul George. That That's not. That's why I don't love that comparison. So, okay, no, not the athleticism enough to be able to get to the basket. Now you're relying on pull-ups quite a bit. And that's why I go with Brandon Ingram. Because even if Ingram finishes better at the rim now than coming out of college, he is stronger despite being pretty damn thin still. You're talking about a lot of pull-up game. You're talking about a lot of three-pointers, mid-range. Brandon did have that in high school, so I'm not even really worried about the mid-range game for Brandon Miller. Like, no, he didn't do that in college. I look at Nate Oates and that system way more so as that being the reason Brandon didn't do that. So he can go back to his high school days and he can tap into it. I have total faith that that can happen. The concern I have, though, is if you don't get to the basket and you have to pull up from mid-range and three-point range all the time, then that low release is a problem. He had shots blocked at the college level. Jump shots are being blocked is pretty hard to do, and he had a couple of those. And so if you're talking about Brandon coming from a low release where you can't get by your guy, that's hard to come from that angle with guys all up in your grill defending you on the perimeter to be able to shoot over the top of them. Now, if he gets it past their shoulder whatever, then yeah, Brandon is tall enough to shoot over the top of a lot of the defenders, and that will come true. I just there There's a, a but with everything when I watch his game to be the high-end comp. Even Chris Middleton that I've used, even I'm guilty of the Chris Middleton comp, Middleton's a strong dude. Middleton is not rail thin. Like he's He's got muscle on him. He's got some kind of weight. And so I actually think I've used the Chris Middleton comp a little too much. I think Brandon Ingram is the guy. And by the way, if he reaches Brandon Ingram potential, no, Ingram is not an All-NBA player at this point, but he does have an All-Star appearance. That's not going to be a failure of a second overall pick. I don't know if it's the upside that I see with Scoot, but it's not going to be a failure. Six, nine shooters, it's going to be hard for those guys to go into the league and just outright fail, okay? He already brings a valuable skill, and he can do other stuff. Even if it's limited, he can do other stuff. So even if you're talking about, well, what about Steve Novak or some, some other tall shooter, it's, it's not that, right? He's, I, I, it's hard to envision him just completely floundering in the NBA. That's not going to happen. I just I think if if you can reach the high end player that everybody loves in the NBA that's real valuable. I look at Brandon Ingram, 25-5 and 5. Brandon Miller a, a good rebounder, average like 9 in college. He's going to have to put on strength to help with that as well, but 25-5 and 5, yeah man. Like you'll take that. That's what I see from him. Uh, the high end comp. So we'll see if he can reach all of that and we'll see if he indeed is going to be the pick at number 2. If it's not him, we know it's going to be Scoot Henderson. So coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, we're going to talk about the pros. We're going to dive into some of the cons with Scoot Henderson a little bit more so as well. But now before I talk about eBay Motors, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. It's a championship team. We know championship teams are about each player being a perfect fit. 
Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check, and you can stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit only. Available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. Pros and cons for Scoot. You know this has been the guy, me, Doug Branson, David Walker, lots of people have wanted. I'll say this too. little surprised that it's not 50-50 between Brandon and Scoot. This is a good example of the loud minority being very vocal on YouTube, on Twitter, on the text line when I'm on WFNZ. Because there, there are a lot of people backing Brandon Miller being that pick. But then you put out a poll, whether it's me putting out the poll, Doug, Will Kunkel, a part of Queen City News. It is overwhelmingly so that the fan base wants Scoot Henderson. I, I mean, so yes, clearly this podcast has been pro-Scoot the whole time. feels like a lot of the fan base wants Scoot, more so than I even realized. I thought it would be like 60-40 in favor of Scoot, but it's, it's like 75-25. So if it doesn't happen, then we'll just see how many people are, are ready to welcome Brandon Miller to the purple and teal. But if they draft Scoot, the reason they would do so, some of the surface analysis is that his athleticism is crazy, okay? No, he's not going to be the best athlete. Amen Thompson is a better athlete than he is. But Scoot's like, you know, Derek Rose-esque. Maybe, maybe less, less explosion than Derek, but I, I think stronger than Derek Rose. So that's something that is a benefit from him coming in. The body is NBA ready right now in a, as far as a guard goes. We know about the athleticism, being able to finish at the rim. Yeah, the numbers aren't, aren't great with him finishing at the rim, but I think the NBA spread out system is going to help him a little bit more. Where Brandon had the spread out system in college, he was playing with talented guys. He was playing in an NBA system under Nate Oates. Scoot Henderson, despite being closer to the NBA, G League Ignite, I think they had John Jenkins as a shooter, a, a good SEC shooter back in his day, by the way. But that was about it as far as anybody truly being able to spread the floor for them. And so, you know, Scoot was dealing with a lot of compressed uh, compressed paints to try to drive through as well. And that's why I, I think some of those numbers might be down. If you look at him with the basketball in his hands, man, I think it's going to be so much fun to watch him and LaMelo in the backcourt together. So LaMelo off ball, a couple things that I think would be really fun to watch. What if LaMelo was a screener? So Scoot has the basketball in his hands. LaMelo is the screener. LaMelo rolls. Scoot kicks it to him. And even with LaMelo not finishing well at the rim right now, LaMelo can turn into some playmaker secondarily off of the roll pass, and then he can kick out to some perimeter guy. I, I think that would be fun. You could do the pick and pop, which is clearly the reason that you would, you know, have LaMelo set some kind of screen. So Scoot Henderson drives on in, LaMelo relocates off of the screen, pick and pop, bam, LaMelo 41% catch and shoot three. Yeah, I want him taking as many shots as possible from the three-point arc. So that would be fun. But even Scoot running pick and roll with Mark Williams. Okay, so now instead of LaMelo and Mark in those situations running the PNR, now you have two guys that you have to worry about a ton at the rim because that's just not a part of LaMelo's game right now. It'll come. He'll have to get stronger. There's still plenty of time for him to clean that part of his game. But Scoot right now is strong enough to where that's going to be a dangerous combo. If, if you're so worried about the lob to Mark with his seven foot nine standing reach, then you might cheat off that a little bit. And if you do, 
Scoot can get into your body and hit shots at the rim. Go watch the tape against Victor Wembanyama. One of the few dudes taller and with a longer reach than Mark Williams out there, Scoot was able to hit shots at the rim against him. So I, I think that would be a lot of fun. Then you go with LaMelo, who's still going to handle the basketball a ton with this team. The usage percentage is still going to be very high with Scoot on the squad for LaMelo Ball. I did want to get to one of the stats from Rafael Barlow, who is the host of the Locked On NBA Big Board. He put out by the numbers for a lot of these prospects. And here's what he said that I've been trying to sell home as well about Scoot off ball. Scoot shot 77.8% on off-ball cuts to the rim. Sample size isn't great because why would G League Ignite put him in the two-guard spot when he is clearly the best ball handler, clearly the guy that you want to run your offense through? With Charlotte, you have another person that's great at that. And so it's a luxury to have both of those players in the backcourt. And if LaMelo is on ball, then you're like, oh, well, Scoot only shoots 32, 33% from three because the G League doesn't count the Metropolitan games. I do want to make that clear. So, no, it's not 27%, despite what Google says. It's 33% because they didn't account for the Metropolitan games. I just want to put that out there. But still not great. I mean, I'm not trying to get that twisted. No, he's not Reggie Miller out there on the three point line. But if LaMelo has some kind of pick and roll screen sets for him, he's getting going to the basket. Or he drives, he penetrates, he kicks out to Scoot. Defense tries to rotate. Scoot's already cutting. And good luck trying to stay in front of the freight train at 6'4 that he's been measured at by Portland and Charlotte at both those workouts. And he shoots close to 80% on off-ball cuts to the rim. And that's a ridiculous number. The sample size not great. I don't care. It's either G League Ignite not wanting to take the ball out of Scoot's hands or just not using it enough, and that's an error on their part. So just because he can't shoot, it doesn't mean that he can't play when LaMelo has the basketball in his hands. Another great thing about Scoot that Rafael Barlow pointed out is that he shot 70% from the floor when driving to his right out of spot-ups. This kind of goes into the pick-and-roll maestro stuff. I, I just think he's such a good decision-maker. He's going to make you pay. And as we go to the cons, one of the things that I'd like to see him do more, even out of pick-and-roll and even out of half-court sets, is him drive to the basket even more so than he did because I think there was a decent amount of settling for mid-rangers and even if his mid-range game is good you don't want him settling for that all the time I think it's really hard to defend that guy when he can beat you in so many different ways at the same time yeah be more aggressive collapse the defense more so and then kick it out especially if you're playing with a lineup that includes LaMelo, PJ, Miles, Gordon, a bunch of three-point shooters is my point. So if you have three other dudes that can go out there and shoot, or even if you're going small ball lineup with P.J. at the five and Mark Williams is off the floor, yeah, man, it's going to be really hard to stay in front of some of those screens. Um, some of the bad numbers. I'm not going to look over that, right, as we kind of go into the uh, go into the cons of drafting Scoot Henderson. Rafael Barlow did point out some of the bad, trying to pull that up right now. It, it's funny, you even look at some of those numbers off of the screen him going to his right only shot something like 40 percent he didn't shoot well in transition so that's something that you're gonna have to worry about I think with the NBA opening up so much so the 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 spacing I think he'll be just fine with some of that but it's a concern right now and the shooting is still a concern uh, I mean even with it being close to 33 percent from three I do think that it's still a concern 
the base is a little inconsistent. You watch his feet, one foot's in front of the other sometimes. It's not a consistent set shot every single time that he leaves the floor, whether it be in the mid-range, whether it be from three-point range. But I do think that's coachable. I think that's a fixed quality. And so Bruce Kreitzer, the shooting coach that helped Kimba become a great three-point shooter, Steve Clifford, both of those guys that helped Kimba are still with this team as we speak right now. I think those are indicators that Scoot can become at least an average three-point shooter and maybe even a good one. We know he has the strength to get it there, that's for sure. So those are some of the things that I would say are cons about Scoot. Ultimately, I think culture-changing type of guy is another reason why I want him. I, I mean, if this is a player that's you know not eating fried foods for the last two years, you know, okay, right? It's not a sole reason to draft somebody number two. But that kind of discipline... He reportedly did crush both workouts with the Charlotte Hornets. He crushed the workout with Portland. This is somebody working with Steph Curry as we speak on his shooting. Jalen Brown said he's the best 17-year-old player. I think Quentin Mayo tweeted that out when he did like a little 60-second dive on Scoot Henderson. There's so many different people that have been in Scoot's orbit as to they're like, oh my God, this guy's different. I mean, just... Just even the intangibles, the leadership quality, the work ethic. This guy is is crazy different. And that's some of the reason as to why I would draft Scoot in this scenario. But as I mentioned, if it's Brandon Miller, it's going to be hard for that to fail. And so we'll celebrate the Charlotte Hornets, whatever they do. Maybe for some people it might take a little longer than others. But we're going to see what he does in Summer League. We're going to see what he can do in preseason. We'll see what he can do at the beginning of his rookie year, and we'll see how this thing plays out for years to come. But it is a big old decision for Mitch Kupchak, for Michael Jordan, for new ownership coming in, which has to be a part of this. You're not going to purchase majority stake and be quiet the entire time and just have zero input on what they're going to do with this high of a draft pick. And so we'll see how it all unfolds later tonight. And hopefully, as all that's unfolding, you're watching... The live show, the Locked On Hornets live show with Doug Branson hosting. David Walker, our buddy Nada Edwards, Nick Carboni also going to be joining as well. It should be a really fun time. And if you want to go out and about, hell, if you're feeling froggy on an NBA draft Thursday night, come out to 1058 Panther great linebacker Thomas Davis's restaurant and bar uptown right across the street from Truist Field. It's there on 4th or West 34th Street, whatever. I, I don't get rid of the uh, get rid of the road names. <laughs> I'm awful with directions. It's uptown. It's very easy. Just type in 1058 into the GPS and come hang out with us as well as WFNZ. We'll be hosting live shows from 6 to 9 p.m. We're going to be out there having a good time. Thanks for making us your first listen. Now make your second listen. Game to game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on game to game covers every game from across the league with local analysis that only Locked on can deliver. Follow game to game on Locked on NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Have a great draft night. Me and Doug, maybe even live the next morning too, we'll be doing a show with one another. So make sure you check us out tomorrow. Good luck to everybody. Should be a lot of fun.